The following message was preached at Flint Hill Baptist Church. We would love for you to join us on Sundays for life groups and worship, or on Wednesdays for adult Bible study, kids, and youth activities. For more information, visit flinthill.net. Open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I don't know about you, but I just sense the Lord's at work. I would say more especially today. Maybe not. I don't know. But man, it's just a sweet time in the Lord uh, this morning so far in Bible study. And then coming in the house of the Lord this morning, uh, it's exciting. I'll be honest with you. It's just an exciting time in the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I wanted to preach a message. have been wanting to try to preach on it several times throughout the year. And I'm probably going to sit here for a few Sundays uh, on why are we here? Uh, if you've been here any length of time, we, we, we recite like a mission statement. That came way before I did. Uh, but that statement, that mission statement is biblical. And no doubt about it, we'll recite it, Lord willing, at the end of our service today. The very beginning of that, I want to say it's in your bulletin. The very beginning of that is uh, to glorify God. Uh, and, and, and so when we answer that question, why are we here? We're here to glorify God. And I had to pause. I'll be honest, the Lord just convicted my heart and said, let's stop right there. Are we really here to glorify God? That's a great, st- a great question. Are we here for that purpose, for that reason? Uh, that would be my heart's cry. Yes, Lord, uh, certainly. Um, if I had to be honest with you, and I want to be honest with you, there are some Sundays I don't feel like glorifying God. And you're saying, Pastor, what do you mean? I mean, things happen in my world. I'm sure things happen in your world. And sometimes you feel like, yes, God, I want to give you glory. I want to be honoring to you. In other days, you might feel beat down or not feeling well. I mean, whatever it is. But the chief aim of our heart should be to glorify God. Uh, let me just, uh, let, we're jumping into 2 Corinthians here, and I know there's a lot going on in the church at Corinth, and God's using Paul to write this letter, what we call the letter to, uh, to the church in Corinth, the second letter here. Uh, and we're jumping in, he's talking about the glory of the new covenant. That's where we're kind of, we're just jumping into a few verses here. And he parallels it with the glory of the old t- uh, covenant under Moses. And if you, if you back up a few verses, he talks a little bit about that ministry when the Lord would reveal himself to Moses, but he didn't reveal himself like that to everybody. In fact, Moses had to cover his face, and people weren't permitted to see that and to experience God's glory. Uh, and he compares that glory with the glory of the new covenant of, of a relationship with Christ. And I'm going to pick up in verse 12. And he talks about, um, well, let me back at verse 11. And if that which was fading away, talking about the glory revealed through Moses, came with glory, how much greater is the glory which lasts? Therefore, verse 12, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We're not like Moses, who put on a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing while the radiance was fading away, but their minds were made dull. To this very day, the same veil remains of the old covenant when it's read. It is not being removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Verse 15, even to this very day when Moses is read, the veil covers their hearts. And, and I read this earlier, verse 16. It's a key verse if you underline in your Bible, underline this, highlight it, whatever. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is removed, taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. What a beautiful passage of Scripture talking about the glory of God. 
And so let, let, let me just take a moment here when we talk about the glory of God. Let me, there's several things I want to make mention as we dive into this little passage this morning. The Hebrew word for glory is kabod. It's a term uh, that when we come over to the New Testament, doxa is that term. But when we look at the Old Testament usage, it's a term that has a root sense of that being weighty or gives importance or wealth or honor. In relation to God, it denotes that which makes God impressive or how he uh, makes known his invisible qualities to the known people in that day. He, he, in other words, he manifests himself and it's known as his glory. Various ways he'll make himself known. In power, in holiness, in righteousness, in purity, sometimes in comfort. You remember Elijah serving the Lord so faithfully, he runs out in the middle of the wilderness and he thinks life's over. And what does God do? He nurtures him. He takes care of him, feeds him, gives him something to drink, gives him rest. The nurturing aspect, I mean, it's the glory of God, God making himself known. So that Hebrew word, I mean, the root of that really is the manifestation of God's presence. I think John the Baptist, when it comes to Jesus, I'm fast forwarding a little bit, had it right. We must become less, right? And he must increase and we must decrease. Uh, really, when a church glorifies the Lord, that's the concept here. When the church glorifies the Lord, you're really making much of the Lord. You're lifting him up in our presence together. And, and let me say, that doesn't start when you, when you walk into the church house. I mean, that you're bringing in really your effort, your intentionality, your heartbeat is when you come into the house. Lord, when we gather together, it's just the overflow of your heart Monday through Friday. And so when we want to bring glory to God, we want to glorify him. We want to make much of him. Now, there's another side to this. Oftentimes in Scripture, God makes himself known. He is glorified among his people or in a nation whether they want Him to be glorified or not. And let me remind all of us, God is sovereign. He's king over all the universe. I know you know this. Psalm 19.1, beautiful psalm. Here it is. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. God is being glorified by His creation. The heavens declare His glory. I mean, I don't know if you ever thought about this, and maybe this isn't you, but I've certainly have seen a sunset or a sunrise or been outdoors or some majestic place, and all of a sudden you kind of sense the awareness of God, like you're drawn near to the Lord or to praise Him for what you're in, in the midst of. And the reason for that, why? God has set forth in creation to declare, to display, to preach His glory. And I would submit to you, it's the same thing for me and you, creature, right? We are also been given the responsibility, the opportunity to declare, to display the glory of God. Uh, let's talk a minute about the glory of Jesus, because we want to make sure we're clear here when we speak about the glory of God. The Bible is full, particularly in the New Testament, that the glory of Jesus is that of say, saying the glory of God. They're one and the same. It's not, it's not uh, three gods in one, it's one God in three that's revealed himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So in other words, let, let me just remind us here uh, that the, the veil that's being talked about here that's taken away, we now have a clear vision of what this glory looks like. And listen, if you want to know what it means to glorify God, look into the face of Jesus because it's reflected there. He is the person, uh, he is the reflection of, the representation, the fullness of God dwells in Him. 
So if you don't know what God looks like, look to Christ. I mean, that's really, that's just Bible. That's biblical. And so Paul reminds us of that. Um, again, it's been, it's been mentioned here. Uh, remember the Mount of Transfiguration? Remember we had Moses and Elijah and then Christ? But on the end of that, it's only Christ alone who's transfigured. At right, he has this heavenly radiance. It's, it, he, he, he's pure and white. His garments are white. He's dazzling. It's, it's as if the sun is shining. He's being made glorified before these disciples. Remember, it was only when the Lord's voice came down, he says, This is my son whom I'm well pleased with. Hear from him or listen to him. There's only one. Now, we, we, when we see that, what is happening here in this moment of transfiguration? God's making it perfectly clear to the disciples, to us, to anybody here today, that Jesus Christ is the fullness, the representation of God himself. He is fully glorified. If you want to know what it means to, to glorify God, if you want to glorify him, look into the face of Christ. Look to Christ today. Um, now, let me, let, me, let me say this. When we talk about the believer in God's glory... Uh, it's a beautiful thing here when we talk about our opportunity that we have to bring glory to God, to glorify Him in our lives. I'm reminded that, you know, remember Moses had an unveiled face he saw temporarily, but not in the New Covenant. According to the Scripture, no, every Christian, anyone who turns to the Lord, that's the, that's the whole heartbeat, any child of God, any person born again, any person who is redeemed through the blood of the Lamb, has the opportunity and the joy of making God known, glorifying the Lord to the people around him, to the world in which he lives. That's the new covenant. And we have with unveiled faces can behold the glory of the Lord in Jesus Christ. That terminology there in your Bible, when it says that, that we have the opportunity to, to, to look at him with unveiled faces, that we can all reflect the Lord's glory, it literally is speaking to that looking into a mirror. In other words, looking into a mirror, we have the opportunity to look intently and to gaze into that mirror, into the mirror of Christ, and to see His glory. See it made manifest in us. Now, I'm not going to ask you this morning how many of you looked in the mirror to get ready to come to church. Some of us may... No, I shouldn't say that. Lord, to help me. <laughs> Don't say that. I don't say that. And I wasn't thinking about you. I can promise you that. And I wasn't. Anyway, never mind. Uh, never mind. Lord, help me. I digress sometimes. Sometimes we spend a lot of time looking in the mirror, don't we? The question is, are we, are we allowing the Lord to look that deeply and intimately in our life? Do we resemble Jesus in the life that we live today? That, that's, what he's, that's what he's saying. We look as into a reflection. We gaze intently into that reflection of Christ. And, and it's not just to see it. But now, here's the beauty. Christ wants to make that presence known. The, the reflection, the glory of God being revealed and formed in us, children of God. Now, Paul over and over again said, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ in us. Jesus being made manifest in our flesh, in this life that we live. So let me, let me just share with you I, I, several things here, talking about the beginning. How does that happen? In other words, how do we, as children of God, bring glory to the Lord? Well, first, in this passage, we can just look in verse 16, and I've shared this earlier, but I need to say it again. 
The beginning of this. In other words, how do we bring glory to God? There's always a beginning. And that beginning comes in verse 16 when you turn to the Lord. Now that turning is reflected over and over again in the New Testament. The word is, uh, that's used all throughout the scripture is repentance. It means to turn away from one thing and turn to the Lord. There's no way for me and you to ever begin to glorify God with our lives unless you have turned to the Lord in faith. It just doesn't happen. The veil's been removed. In other words, we can see clearly now. Uh, it, it, later on in chapter 4, he talks about in verse 6, the light shines out of darkness. Praise God. And he makes his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. In other words, the light's been turned on in our lives. What do I mean? The beginning of bringing glory to God is that the light switch got to be flipped. Jesus said you got to be born again. If I could make this room totally dark, which I can't, it would be horrible, right? In the dark, you can't find your way around. You're going to trip over things. There's no direction. There's no guidance. There can be all kind of fear. But that's not so when you come to Christ. When you turn to the Lord, He flips the switch on. Things are different now. It's not the same as the old way of living in darkness, but now I'm in the light of His glorious face, and now there's a difference being made, wrought inside of our hearts. One of the verifiable differences is this. He says it. The Spirit of the Lord. The, the, thanks be to God. Can we just praise the Lord this morning? I mean, I'm, for God didn't leave us alone. He didn't say, hey, y'all go bring glory to me on your own. But no, He's given us everything we need to be able to do that. The greatest resource is the very presence, the Holy Spirit of God. In other words, Paul, over and over again in his letters in the New Testament, says, walk by the Spirit, live by the Spirit. You won't gratify the desires of the flesh. In fact, there will be a righteousness birthed in you for God's glory. The glory of the Lord. He says it here, when, when the Spirit comes in, when, when the Spirit begins to work this life in Christ, it's a life of freedom. It's a life set free from hindrances, habits, hang-ups, issues in our life that hinder us from walking in the fullness of what God has called us to walk in. Uh, let me make it clear. The beginning of this process of bringing glory to God is not you telling me you want to bring glory to God. Please let me be clear on this. It's not how often you come to church, although it's good for you to come to church. And I'm, it's grateful to preach when there's people in the, I was going to say pews, but in the chairs. You know what I'm saying? But that is not how you begin the process of bringing glory to God. There's only one way to heaven. There's only one way the process begins, and that's through the blood of Jesus Christ. If there was any other way, then it would put aside the cross. There's only one way. So for all of us, and I know you're saying, but preacher, I've been here for a long time. It really doesn't matter how long you've been here. I, we need to be refreshed in this, right? Renewed in this. We need to be reminded that it's my turning to the Lord that gives me the capacity and the propensity to be able to give glory to God. My life is transformed. Work is never the same. School's never the same. Family's never the same. To God be the glory. Why? Because I turn to the Lord. A change has been wrought in my heart. That's the beginning. There is no other way. There's no other way to come to the Lord. But there's also a process. Let me say that. To God be the glory. There's a process of becoming like Christ. And we see this. We see this in the, in the text here. With unveiled faces reflect or gaze intently into the Lord. That's the, the, the imagery there. 
And, and what I would say to you over and over again in Scripture, it calls for believers to what fix our eyes on Jesus. Why? Because the gay, we gaze at Christ's glory. We look intently into His reflection. And what happens? It's amazing. The second thing is transformation. Man, it's amazing. I mean, again, in Romans 12, he says the life we live as children of God are to be lived in such a way that we what offer ourselves as living sacrifices, transformed in the renewing of our minds. How do we do that? You can't on your own. There's no way. The most disappointed, disgruntled church member would be somebody trying to live for Jesus by their own strength and their own way. No, you've got to surrender. You've got to give it all to the Lord. You've got to fix your eyes on Him. He is the only way, only truth, only life. There's no other way. But transformation is a byproduct of coming to faith in Jesus Christ. The fancy word is our progressive sanctification. That word means to be made holy. Let me say it this way. Let me bring it to layman's turn. To be more like Christ. And that doesn't end on this side of glory. We ought to be able to testify. We ought to be able to share about how God is working in me, even so today. Changing my heart, convicting me of my issues, my anger, my habits, whatever it is. But changing me, transforming my life to be like Christ. The, the, the terminology here in, in, the, in the wording of the scripture, it's passive. Which implies what? Total submission unto God. There's no way this process works if you're full of yourself. If you think you've got it all together and you can do whatever you want, you, you got it all in your little box and, and this is how you're going to do what you're going to do, that is not how transformation works. You've got to come, we've got to come to a place where we submit ourselves to Him. That's the passive tense. We, we can't do it on our own. We acknowledge, Lord Jesus, that without you, this is not possible. And the great news is He didn't call us to do it on our own. Which leads me to this. And let, let me say the process. And I, I want to praise the Lord right now for the men and women's Bible studies and, 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 and all the Bible studies, students and the children that are going on on Sunday nights and Monday morning. I, I'm going to tell you, it's rich. Now, I haven't been in all the other Bible studies, but I can tell you, I can testify about the men's Bible study. It's rich. And what I mean by that is it's convicting, it's challenging. And I would, I would just encourage you to come be a part of that tonight or 10 o'clock in the morning. I, why do we need that? We need to gather together to lift up Jesus. In, 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 in a sanctuary, for sure. In life groups, for sure. In small group, Bible says centered around the Word of God. Why? Because this is the way we become more like Christ. So God, do your work in us. We're depending on you. Now, I will say this. There's a reason why. There's a reason why God wants to transform our lives. I'm talking about every person here, every child of God here. Why? It leads me to this, the proclamation. The life we preach. I don't know if you ever thought about that, but you are a walking message for the glory of God. I'm talking about right now. Whatever you were this last week, whatever's happening today, whatever's going to happen next week, it is for the glory of God. If we believe that, that's the, that's the chief end, is to glorify God. How do we do that? It's the life we preach on a daily basis. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, just a few verses later, in verse 5, Paul makes this statement. He says, for we do not preach ourselves. Good night. Who would want to do that? But what do we preach? Jesus Christ as Lord. The message of the child born again is Jesus Christ, my Lord. 
We often say, and rightly so, my Lord and Savior. Nothing wrong with that, but I've met a lot of people that want to be saved from hell, but they don't want to live for Jesus in everyday life. There's something wrong when we can say, oh yeah, I'm saved, but my life doesn't reflect that He is Lord of my life. There's a problem there. The Scripture never has Savior without Lord or Lord without Savior. He's both. You don't get to pick and choose which Jesus you want to serve. To God be the glory. Jesus Christ is Lord. The question is, is He my Lord? Oh, Frank Lewis preached a message at that little conference we went to on this passage of Scripture. And he said there's three things that we need to have in our life if we're going to be used of God, if we're going to preach loudly and proclaim the good news. He said first thing is we've got to be clean. In fact, he says here, this treasure we have uh, in jars of clay or earthen vessels. Y'all know this? I mean, he makes this statement. He said we're just a bunch of mud balls. And I thought it was hilarious. It's true. God took the dust of the earth and formed man. I mean, we're just a bunch of mud balls. And I mean, in one sense, I mean, we recognize who we really are, but we recognize the treasure that we have in Christ. But we'll never know that completely, fully known, and bring glory to God unless we're clean. And I might get all too personal right here, right now, but God calls us to be clean, to be pure. I can, I can quote scripture after scripture. He's going to send the hill of the Lord, ones that have clean hands and a pure heart. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they're going to see the Lord. You want to walk with Jesus? You want to see Jesus high and lifted up? You've got to be clean. You've got to be pure. Whenever I preach that and say that, I always want to say, but it doesn't mean you're perfect. I get that, but I think sometimes we, we, we rush to that. I think we need to hear today. We need to be pure. Can I share with you? Just real simply, you know how you get right, get clean before God? You acknowledge, He is my Lord. Second, that I'm a servant for Jesus. Frank would say this, not only do you need to be clean, but you've got to be empty. A servant doesn't go to their master and say, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do today. A servant goes and lays them down and says, what do you want me to do today? Very different. To bring glory to God means I'm going to be clean, but it also means I'm going to be empty. You know, Bob made a statement one time we were with him this past or a couple weeks ago. He said, sometimes the reason why we don't see the move of God like we should in our churches is that we're not desperate enough. Or we're distracted. Or we're full of so much stuff to do. I don't need to see your hands this morning, but I'm, I could ask you, who, who, who's here saying, man, I got too much on my plate. I got too much stuff going on in my world. You know, the truth is, some of us picked up stuff we shouldn't have picked up and don't need to pick up. I mean, good stuff. We need to put it down. And first and foremost, you need to wake up every day and say, God, what do you want me to pick up today? And how do you want me to use it for your glory? To be a servant for Jesus. But what's amazing is this. We have this treasure in jars of clay for what reason? The, the message we want to preach is this is all from the power of the living God. How do we do that? How do we preach that message to the world around us? That means we will wake up every day and we're going to say, God, I'm here. I'm available. Use me for your glory. What's the message of your life today? Let me ask that question again. We all are preaching a message all the time, every day. 
If people were to listen to the message of your life, what would they hear? I think the Lord wants to bring us to this place this morning, just to be honest. If we're going to give glory to God, if we're going to live for the glory of God, if we're going to live in such a way to bring honor and glory to Him, we need to ask that hard question. Why are we really here? Really. Hudson Taylor, famous missionary, said this, Christ is either Lord of all or He's not Lord at all. So here's what I want us to do right now. If you will, bow your heads with me this morning. I want to take a moment right now. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer, but I need you to just take your heart right now and bend it before the Lord and ask God just to really search your heart. Why are you here? Right now with heads bowed and eyes closed, there may be some people here today if you were to be honest with me and the Lord right now, you need Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've never submitted yourself to Him. You've never turned to the Lord. So I want to say to you right now, right here, turn to the Lord in faith. Repent of your sin. Turn away from yourself. Turn to Him. Ask Him to be your Lord and your Savior. Turn to the Lord. I believe there are others here today that quite honestly aren't living the life that you know Lord wants you to live because you're hindered you're, hang, you're hung up on things I want to remind you that the blood of Jesus not only forgives us but cleanses us from all unrighteousness and sets us free by the spirit of the living God to live our lives for his glory to preach that he is Lord of all and I am his servant and this power is from the Holy Spirit of God alone. Father, I just ask you right now, in this time, what we call an invitation, a song of invitation, a song of response. God, across this auditorium, God, would you do your work in our hearts? God, help us, whatever that means, conviction, cleansing, enable us, Holy Spirit, to humble ourselves before you to cry out to you, to turn to you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with me, church. As we begin to sing, church, here it is. I want to invite you this morning. If you're here today and you know, you know that this is where God's calling you to be, that you know this is where God's placed on your heart, that you need to serve Him faithfully. You need to join and unite with the fellowship of God here at Flint Hill. Then I'm going to invite you to come. Friend, if you're here today, the baptismal waters are ready. If you're here today and you know you've trusted Christ, but you've never made it public, you haven't preached that message, as Brother Morgan said last Sunday, then I want to invite you to come. Let's make it public. We'll go ahead to the baptismal waters in just a moment. But you come. As we sing, I'll be here waiting on you. You come. You come.